Hello, and welcome to Linux Action News, episode 227, recorded on February 9th, 2022. I'm Chris. And I'm Wes. Hello, Wes. Let's do the news. And we start this week with the industry's biggest story. That is, the collapse of the $66 billion sale of SoftBank's ARM business to NVIDIA. The deal fell through after regulators around the world raised some serious concerns about the effects on competition in the semiconductor industry. Don't feel too bad for SoftBank, though. They're going to receive a $1.25 billion breakup fee. They also still appear to have some plans to perhaps take ARM public, and there's some management upheaval in works, so I'm sure we'll see some stories about that as well. It seems a lot of people had concerns about this merger, as ARM was kind of viewed as the Switzerland of the semiconductor industry, if you will, meaning that they dealt pretty evenly with all of their 500-plus license holders, regardless of country or company. I think a quote from Greg Rowe, head of research at Hyundai Motor Securities, really emphasizes this, with him saying, quote, There's a chip war going on around the world. So many weren't very welcoming of such a key architecture firm going to the U.S. Countries are competitively trying to build up their chip industries and will try to defend against that chip technology moving to another country. Well, as the Steam Deck gets closer, we're watching the last-minute developments closely. And Pharonix has the details on a new deck driver that's landed for the Linux kernel. It was posted last weekend, and it's... It's really a kitchen sink platform driver that adds support for the Steam Deck specific embedded controller in there. A controller is responsible for a whole swath of things like uh, CPU fan control, battery temperature measurements, display related settings, even USB-C event notifications. As you might expect, this driver was developed by engineers over at Valve and specifically Andrei Smirnov was an engineer hired back in 2018 to work specifically on kernel projects for Valve. So it's interesting seeing that hire pay some dues here. Now, given the timing of this patch, it's not expected to be merged until sometime in the Linux 5.18 cycle, which doesn't kick off until late March. But it's not actually critical functionality if you want to play around and use other Linux distributions on the deck. It's just a nice to have. And Valve's Arch Linux-based SteamOS is expected to be relying on a patched kernel, at least initially, so all the functionality should work for early Steam deck holders. Regardless of all those details, honestly, it's just kind of nice to see Valve getting maybe not quite ahead of the ball, but, but keeping up and working with Upstream. I mean, that's what we expect, right? Well, this week, we saw the announcement of the Open Source Firmware Foundation. They're getting set up with the hopes of expanding open source firmware usage throughout the entire industry. Their founding members are Nine Element Cybersecurity and Molvad VPN. Yeah, that last one's interesting, but hey, I'm a fan of open firmware, that's for sure. Now, obviously, this was just announced, so it's early days, but... If you head over to osfw.foundation, you'll find that, quote, the foundation sets its goals to research and to educate corporations and individuals alike about open source firmware through sharing intellectual resources, infrastructure, services, events, and training. 
the OSFF is meant to be an umbrella organization for all parties interested in open source firmware and acts as the first point of contact in the open source firmware ecosystem. Yeah, so they're really about adoption throughout the industry, right? Like we don't see LVFS listed anywhere on here. It's not necessarily about the software bits. It's more about getting the rest of the industry to use open source firmware. But if you like your foundations, well, I got good news for you because FreeCAD also has a foundation. That's right. The FreeCAD project has a legal nonprofit organization around it. Now, long live FreeCAD. Well, speaking of big organizations making big changes, Intel has announced that they're joining the RISC-V International Organization as a premier member. And while they already have their RISC-V-based NEOS 5 processors, Intel isn't necessarily planning anything as radical as replacing x86 with RISC-V in the short term. But it is making this move to invest in the RISC-V ecosystem for the long term. And, of course, uh, hopefully lure a few customers to the Intel Foundry services. Yeah, those Foundry services is probably what this is really about, right? But it seems like a pretty significant shift for them to double down on their investment like this. And in today's announcement, they also touch on funding some open source software development. They write, quote, Today, Intel announced several immediate RISC-V community benefits led by Intel's Foundry Services, or IFS for short. IFS will sponsor an open-source software development platform that allows for freedom and experimentation, including partners across the ecosystem, universities, and consortia. So it seems that Intel is making a big push here. Maybe one day we'll look at Intel as one of the premier manufacturers of RISC-V systems. <laughs> I don't know. I'd love to see it. If you haven't been paying attention lately, you might have missed a major new feature that's in the works for ZFS. And we happen to have an update for you this week. We first mentioned RAID Z expansion way back in June in Linux Action News 194. But since then, it seems that ZFS co-creator Matt Arends has been hard at work. For those of you that might not have listened to episode 194, one major expensive pain point of ZFS has always been its lack of support for expanding storage of an existing setup. The unofficial answer has always kind of been that, hey, ZFS was built to protect your data, not do it on the cheap. RAID Z expansion, though, would change all that by allowing disks to be added one at a time to an existing RAID Z VDEV, expanding its capacity incrementally. Now, that might be especially useful for those of you out there with small pools that only have one VDEV, where maybe there isn't sufficient hardware to add capacity by adding a whole new VDEV when you want to upgrade, which might involve doubling the number of disks. That's something I know we've run into while trying to plan out studio builds and either not having the disks at hand or not really having the storage capacity available. But with the new patch, you'll finally be able to attach new disks to an existing RAID C VDEV. Whether or not that's the way you want to go, that we leave up to you. We've both been looking forward to this, and I saw that there was an update recently on the FreeBSD Foundation website. So where are we at now with this upgrade? 
Yeah, we did get an update there this week because, well, they're a sponsor of this work, which, hey, I'm very grateful for. And I'm also grateful that it seems like things are going quite well. All the planned capabilities have been implemented, and all the tests are passing. Now, there is still some code cleanup to do, verbose logging to remove, code documentation to write, that sort of thing. But even with those remaining tasks, the aim is to have this feature integrated sometime in Q3. If you're as excited as we are, we should also note that, as with many open-source projects, the biggest need right now is for more help testing. Leno.com slash LAN. Go there to get $100 in 60-day credit on a new account, and you go there to support the show. But I'm going to be real with you guys. This isn't a script. They never asked me to say any of this. But Linode's the only place I would deploy something for my business. I think trust is a major factor in picking a cloud provider. And I've always had an uneasy sense of the big three hyperscalers out there. I don't like all of the reasons they're in the market. I don't like how they can leverage their position to change things in the market. And I don't like their interfaces and the sense of lock-in that I get when I try to use those big hyperscalers. And I'm not the only one. In fact, DevOps.com just published this. 20% of developers out there believe that the big three hyperscalers are going to engage in behaviors that will leverage their brands that will stifle competition. That doesn't feel good. I don't like the way that sits. There's a lot of reasons to choose cloud providers out there, and there's a lot of cloud providers. But none of them are like Linode. They've been around for nearly 19 years. They're independently funded. They have 11 data centers around the world, and they have a real simple product. They get value out of trying to make it really good. Like their, their whole thing is just to make a great product, back it up with the best support in the business, right? They're not trying to like leverage like their whole industrial shipping side of their business to push a cloud computing thing in the, and subsidize it in this weird way that just isn't really a genuine product, is it? Now, I know there, every, every platform has its place, but I think Linode is one that's worth your consideration. It's incredibly powerful. It has fantastic performance and the pricing's 30 to 50% less than some of the hyperscalers out there. And if you're an individual that just wants to do a project, you want to run a blog, have a gaming server, or maybe you're a small business, you want to do a little bit of collaboration. I really personally believe there's nothing better than Linode. So go try it out and get $100. You can really, truly kick the tires. Linode.com slash LAN. And of course, Linux.ting.com. A big thank you to Ting. Hey, do you hear the phone ringing? It's common sense calling, and it's time to check out Ting. Seriously, if you live in the States, you got to go to Linux.ting.com. Go see how much you could save and then take $25 off that when you visit linux.ting.com. You see, Ting is a mobile virtual network operator. That means Ting customers get access to the big carrier networks, the nation-to-nation, coast-to-coast LTE 5G networks. But you're dealing with Ting, a reasonable company that's a reasonable size with great support and no contracts. And there's really no other way to say it. Pricing plans that just make sense. It is smarter mobile for sure. That's why I've been a customer since 2013. And every single Ting plan gets access to their award-winning customer service, nationwide LTE and 5G, and no contract ever. How great is that? Plus, I think the other thing that's really nice is you could switch to Ting in an evening. It's really simple. 
And because of their multi-network support, pretty much any phone's going to work on Ting, so you might not even have to get a new phone. Head to linux.ting.com, take a look. They do offer phones directly, or you can bring your own. You put your phone info into their system. They'll tell you if it's compatible or not. It's likely going to be. And when it is, they'll send you a SIM card. You pop that in. Within a few minutes after you get the SIM and you get it in your phone, you're going to be activated. Their dashboard is super straightforward, really easy. You can get everything going in minutes. When I signed up for Ting back in 2013, I think I did it like at 1030 at night in my home office when everybody else was in bed. And I wasn't get like, I wouldn't have done it if I had to talk to a human. I just wanted to get it done online that night. And I got everything done online with Ting. I was really impressed. And then the couple of times where I got kind of stuck, both times when I was on a road trip, actually, the Ting customer support really came through. They won't leave you stranded. They'll really take care of you. It's pretty great. So go to linux.ting.com, support the show, and take 25 bucks off what Ting's got to offer. linux.ting.com. This week, the KDE community released Plasma 524, a long-term support release that will receive updates and bug fixes until the final version of Plasma 5. It's been just a short four months since the previous release, 523, which came out in October 2021, but that shorter time frame has not stopped the project from packing this release full of goodies. Right off the top, let's mention KRunner, which is definitely one of my favorite parts of the Plasma desktop. Now, it's great and, and has plenty of updates in 524, but what really stood out to me is a new feature that teaches you all the power that exists in KRunner. Because now, you can just click and explore the plugins that exist to get an idea of how you can actually use them. Also landing in 524 is support for fingerprint readers. Well, assuming you've got all the hardware enablement bits sorted out, now Plasma will play nicely too. Discover has also gotten a bit smarter, especially around what packages it does, or crucially, does not let you uninstall, hopefully preventing folks who don't quite know what they're doing from breaking their system. Also nice to see in Discover, while it has supported Flatpaks for a long time, that support is improving in 5.24. You can now install locally downloaded Flatpak packages, and Discover will figure things out and sync up the backend repositories for those Flatpaks automatically. That is nice to see. A lot of feature improvements or tweaks are in that category of nice to see. So many that we, we really couldn't touch on all of them, but I did want to touch on a couple of the visual improvements because these are equally as impressive. Uh, to give you a couple of examples here, uh, they've tweaked the way plasma notifications look now. Critical notifications stand out with an orange strip on the side of them to visually distinguish them from like a less urgent message. Love that. The breeze theme always looking good, but looking absolutely great now with some nice refinements. You can now select custom accent colors, and it just looks great throughout. They've implemented the free desktop spec for dark mode. So if you have a third-party application that also follows that spec and you use dark mode, everything's going to look great. Widgets have received some nice new features, like how they get deployed and all of that. And there's been some cleanup on how you navigate all of them. On the desktop side of things, there is a nice new wallpaper in Plasma 524. But if you happen to prefer something else, you can now set your wallpaper pretty easily just by right-clicking on any picture in Dolphin and hitting Set as Wallpaper. Or if you want to get a little more creative, you can use the Picture of the Day Wallpaper plugin. 
which can now pull images from Simon Stollenhog's gallery, which you may recognize as a whole bunch of cool and a little bit creepy sci-fi images as seen in Tales from the Loop. Another small but I think important visual enhancement this time around is that video notifications, that is notifications about video files, well, they now display a thumbnail of the actual video, just like you'd expect for image files. And just because maybe we have to, a little bit about Wayland. The Wayland journey for Plasma is definitely a long one, but the march continues. This time around, something that stood out to me is that Spectacle, the KDE screenshot tool, well, it finally has access to that active window mode that's been missing. And they're making good progress on catching up the keyboard shortcuts that only work in X11 and getting those gradually implemented on the Wayland side. The project obviously put a lot of care in making sure this was a really nice LTS release. But something that didn't really get listed in any of the features, but I absolutely noticed right away, is this release has definitely felt faster in terms of performance on my machine than the last few releases. Like, I I feel like I kind of got an upgraded computer with this release. And I know I touched on it earlier, but the Breeze theme is so dang good now that I keep the default theme with Plasma. Like, you, you go back, like, maybe a year and a half, and the first thing I was doing on a new Plasma desktop was tweaking the theme and the way it looks and spending a couple of hours getting that right. And now, now I'm using the defaults. It feels like the team has just put a ton of work into that kind of stuff. And so all in all, this just feels like a release that is absolutely worth checking out. It is available via Plasma Neon right now. That's how I tried it out earlier. Uh, and it'll be coming to a distro near you soon. And we hope next week's episode is something you'll consider checking out too. So go to linuxactionnews.com slash subscribe for all the ways to get new episodes. And linuxactionnews.com slash contact to let us know what we got wrong. Are you ready for a new podcast app? Check out newpodcastapps.com. Grab one that supports value and help keep podcasting decentralized. As for us, well, we'll be back next week with our take on the latest Linux and open source news. Thanks for joining us. And that's all the news for this week. <laughs>